politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to guard our liberties to see our podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in my house, my place of refuge, my sanctuary, here on Thursday, April 29th. It was amazing to be out there with so many of you guys at Front Sight Nevada with Patriot Academy. Um, there's just something beautiful about taking so many people that are either first-time shooters or just novices, beginners, and they really make pros out of you guys. But the biggest, best aspect of this, based on the feedback I've gotten, is simply just the camaraderie, the fact that people are meeting those who are like-minded. They find it so amazing to meet members of this audience Have you ever thought like, hey, who else listens to the show? I thought the same thing, which is why it's truly an honor to meet you guys. Um, So again, I just I ducked out a little bit early because I have a lot of work to do. Uh, They're completing their course today and hopefully will graduate today. It is a very tough test, but they're good teachers there. So again, you guys don't know what you've missed if you want to come out for the Constitution and defensive handgun training at Frontsight Nevada Join me at constitutioncoach.com for the May 30th trip. There is also a trip the following week, uh, June 6th. I'm not going to be able to attend. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that as we get closer to the time. Some of the things I've learned about just, you know, best practices, what sort of gear to bring with you to have the best experience. Now, folks, my goal today is to not sound like Joe Biden. Um, just because I'm so tired, flying back in the middle of the night, I never do well traveling, especially now with the diaper mandate on the plane when they take away our civil rights. So I'm in a pretty bad mood from that. But I'm on the plane, and you know I'm I'm filing my morning morning column, which is just outrageous. My column is about that chiropractor in Missouri who is being charged with criminal charges based on a bill that Republicans passed and signed last year for simply recommending vitamin D and zinc to fight COVID. Pretty outrageous, right? I mean, like, this is the level that deserves a Nuremberg-style trial against our government. Yet I turn on, so I, I, I was just too tired to write anymore, and I remember that Southwest offers in-flight TV, like selected things, so I put in my earbuds, and um, I turned on Fox News, because I don't have it here, I never listen to it, and immediately my blood pressure goes up. I see Sean Hannity on with Lindsey Graham praising Tim Scott as the second coming. Oh, man, he perfectly articulated our vision. And I was thinking, you know what? He actually did. He really did do a good job articulating the vision of the modern Republican Party as contrasted to Biden's vision. In other words, if constitutional liberties, if sane Judeo-Christian values, if the American experience is on one end of the spectrum— and Joe Biden's America is three light years away on the other side of the spectrum. 
Tim Scott's America goes to that other side of the spectrum and walks it three steps back and very vigorously gives over the case for why Joe Biden's America is wrong, why those three steps somehow matter a lot. So it was actually a very teachable moment. And I want to delve into that. Our sponsor today is Better Spectacles. Folks, it's important to have glasses that actually fit and actually work. Often people don't wear them because they're told that they just have to get used to progressives. Um, I just got my pair very, um, very happy with them. Uh, They're coming in the mail. I mean, my wife got hers already. Mine are in the mail. Better Spectacle is now offering German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear for the first time in the U.S. It's a 144-year-old company. It's the world's gold standard with over 500 patents. Ronald Reagan wore Rodenstock. They're expert opticians specialized in difficult prescriptions, astigmatisms, and those who experience problems with progressives. Um, They are truly, truly cutting edge. They have their GoSpecs lenses, which uses advanced algorithms from over a million patients, measuring 7,000 points in the eye. Guess what? The result? More energy, no neck strain, and the ability to help you see up to 40% better. I certainly need that... um, I had, I had trouble with my old glasses seeing when we were shooting 10, 15 yards away at the range. And then, you know, I'm always just looking at data and articles and my eyes are always getting worse. Go to GoSpectacles.com slash conservative for this audience. A, you could schedule a teleoptical appointment so you don't even have to leave your house and wear a mask to get your online consultation and then get your order and once you order, they, they're offering my audience an introductory 61% off their GoSpecs lenses, plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. Visit betterspectacles.com slash conservative. All right, folks. So starting with Biden, let's just start with Biden. Now, I'm not interested in talking about Biden because we know what the left is. We know a lot of people are coming out with books and you know, their statements, oh, the, the left is Marxist, they've taken over everything. Yeah, we know that. What is your plan to deal with it? What is your idea? What do you stand for? How are you going to fight for your values with equal and opposing force against what the left employs to fight for theirs? How are you going to speak to the morality of our supposedly moral views with the same energy that they speak to the morality of their immorality. Well, you first have to know what you stand for. But the one thing I do want to say about Joe Biden is that, you know, everyone's talking about how he sounded dead. This was the deadest, whatever you want to call it, it's not a State of the Union, but kind of like it, address in the history of our country, probably. And again, I'm just going to point out the principle I've been saying. It's quintessential American fascism. It's not like you have this charismatic dictator. We have the worst fascism in the history of our country emanating from a dead corpse. Because it's not about one man. The American fascism is this hidden, nameless, faceless bureaucrat. It's, it's the cumulative total of all of the departments of health in all the counties. And all of the government bureaucrats everywhere. All the corporate people. All the media people, all getting together to create the system. Typically, it comes from one leader top down. It really isn't. He's just, he's just a dead corpse. Just, uh, 
you know, when he's forced to get up in front of a camera with his diaper on his face, as much as he can, he tries to articulate the vision of the system. But he is not the system. Even a more articulate person like Obama wasn't the system. The system created him. That's all I have to say about Biden. There's nothing more to say that we don't know. But we come to Tim Scott's response. And let's just set up the table a little bit here. Let's set the table. So here we are 14 months into the worst anarchy and fascism in the history of our country. And this is your like you know biggest primetime address you're going to get from a Republican as, as your response. I want you to understand that. Not just like a nice uplifting speech that I grew up black and persecuted and my mama told me this and I look at me now, I'm a senator and that's our vision for America. Like what? Where's the Nuremberg style indictment of what these people have done to us? Well, you could only have that indictment if you actually believe that what they've done to us is outrageous, much less actually agreeing with it, albeit walking back the most extreme one or two things they do within the framework that Tim Scott and his fellow Republicans helped establish, that's all they want to do. So in many ways, it's, it's a very apropos to call it the GOP response because all they do is respond to the left. They don't have their own vision. They operate within the issues, the news stories, even the language and parlance of the left. They are the moon orbiting around the earth. They orbit around the Democrats. That's who they are. And the more you obsess about the other side being a bunch of socialists without your own vision, the more you actually accept what they're saying. Infrastructure. Yeah, our version of infrastructure. Oh, this is our version of George Floyd police reform legislation. Oh, this is our COVID bill. That's basically the sum total of what he said. Now, all my colleagues, this is the only place you're going to hear this. They're in love with his speech. I was like, did we watch different speeches? And then I realized, I guess we didn't. It's a values issue. It's a values issue. I spoke at Frontsight a couple times. And, and one time we spoke to just a, a small audience of um, donors to Patriot Academy. And one, one of the things Patriot Academy does they have constitution coaches where people host in their living rooms Rick's uh, Rick Green's constitution class. So a very unique class gives over the constitution. And, you know, I was tethering it to my agenda with Constitution Action Network to then take that group and get into action in your school boards and, and county commissions and state legislatures, both on the election side of, of local governance and on the policy side and the legal side and bang away and bang away. And once you become so outraged by, by really learning about the Constitution and you realize the way things ought to be, the way things were, the th way you know our heritage was, you're so outraged at how far away we are that you're, you're spawned to act. And the point I was trying to bring, bring in there was that, yes, we should preach to the choir. You know, because people often criticize, well, what's the point of us getting together, you know, if we kind of already agree? Don't we need to evangelize others? Not really. I'm going to surprise you. Do you think the left evangelizes people? At least initially, initially. No, they have the most radical 2% do everything. An irate, tireless minority. We don't have that. If all 70, if a fraction of the 74 million Trump voters were like the left, we would have a different country. 
but we're not. We ourselves need to be preached to. We clearly don't fully understand our heritage, what is just and right. People still ask me, are you sure Like we don't have to wear a mask? A state can't mandate it? Are you sure it's in the Constitution? This is the problem. We lack confidence about our own views. And that's why we'll listen to something like Tim Scott and think that's good. We have such low expectations. This is how we've gotten taken in by Republicans for so long. We get moved along in that Overton window. So yeah, we actually need part of this grassroots to put together these teams is to radicalize each other. And when I say radical, I mean radicalize each other back to what was normal even for Democrats a generation ago. We don't even realize it. I talk about this all the time with my own kids. You know, you see how when the left raises their kids, it's not like, okay, this is morality. Cross the you, you got to look when you cross the street. That's like, you know, that's a law of, of living. You're going to die if you don't. And then, okay, the environment and, you know, these values and that, pol- this is politics. No, their political views are their religious views. That's on par with it. That's what they imbue in their kids. Whereas conservatives, I've noticed a lot of them, they kind of give it over give it over like even keeled. Like, like yeah, you know, this is what kind of happens. They don't feel like they want to put their thumb on the scales. And I do. I raise my kids that these SOBs are evil. Everything about them is evil. Every day I teach them examples of it. So that's why my son on his own, when he's in a store and someone says to put on a mask, he looks at them and says, this is not North Korea on his own. That's education. Because it's no longer politics. It's no longer like, hey, you know, like sports. I'm going to make sure my son is a fan of this team and not that team. Well, that's kind of stupid, you know. But politics is not politics anymore. They control our morality, our life. You can't be even-handed with that. You can't fight a malignant force with something benign, something innocuous, aimless, rudderless. So I just feel like it starts with our own households, our own spheres of influence. We often don't, we often feel guilty. I see people, I, I see my own community, in their own little thing, like it's not even in public, they, they have masks on, and I know they don't believe in it and don't really think it works and think it shouldn't be done, but they're just like too scared. I'm like, what are you scared of, yourself? They feel kind of like they're doing something wrong. And, and that's just one issue. It's true of everything. We need to self-separate from these people and their ideas. Most conservatives aren't really conservative anymore because they've been so worn down by talking about the left, how crazy the left is, that it becomes normal to them. Ironically, it almost becomes normal. But they pick a couple things. Like, oh my gosh, you're asking people to be masked outdoors or masked um, after you're vaccinated. Well, it's just as maniacal before you're vaccinated. But that's where it is. That's the Overton window. I want to delve into the specifics of what Tim Scott said. And there was a lot of other news that I, I myself have to catch up on just you know after being out all week. But our next sponsor is actually a constitution coach for Patriot Academy, my team leader for Constitution Action Network in Missouri, as well as a listener to the show. He owns Liberty Estate Plans. 
So obviously these days you need to do everything you can to protect your home, savings, investments, vehicles from lawsuits and the government. Liberty Estate Plans makes possible ironclad estate protection for every American, not just the wealthy, well-connected people. They have an affordable plan, and unlike any other state plan you've ever heard of, they help you place a moat and castle around your estate. They keep your estate private. Liberty Estate Plans are out of reach of Medicaid. They avoid probate and give you control now and after you pass away. I know we do have a lot of seniors in this audience, and it's something that you do need to start thinking about. They give you customized plans for your unique situation. They don't just fill out stock forms. It, what's good about it is it's a one-time fee, but you'll receive as much time and attention as you want with an estate attorney thereafter, so you don't have to feel like you're bothering them. Um, they'll prepare every everything for you, walk you through the whole process, even be there to make changes when you need them because things are constantly changing. The laws are constantly changing. And if you already have an estate plan but want to make sure it does what you need, they'll audit for you. For you. They'll give you an audit. So go to libertyestateplans.com and schedule your free consultation. That's libertyestateplans.com. Tell, tell Andre. So it's Andre Ong and his wife, Angela, um, is their their partners in their husband and wife business? Uh, tell tell them tell him Daniel sent you, and he'll give you twenty percent off. And also just talk about talk about what's going on in the world. He's he's a really smart guy. He hosts Constitution classes, and he is our Missouri team leader. So if you're in Missouri, you really need to give him a call. Um, just a note on that. I just wanted to a lot of a lot of people are sending me emails expressing concern that they signed up you know from their respective states and they they haven't heard back now look folks this is not an organization it's my show audience and i have a couple of volunteers helping me so we didn't yet have a function of it like an automatic reply or something it absolutely went through you are absolutely in a database divided by state as we get our team leaders your 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 name will go to the team leader and coordinator and we're going to hit the ground running. The first thing I think we're going to do is the FACL training, F-A-C-L, terrific organization my buddy Shannon Joy recommends to teach you the mechanics of how to be an Alinsky-style activist for a conservative. Um, it's something I myself need to take, and all of our teams are going to take it. They fly into you for – they'll fly in and offer a course if you have more than 20 people, and all our teams are going to have more than 20, a lot more than that. So this will be a lot of fun. It just it takes a while to put together. So it's not going in the garbage. We have your name. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys. It's not like I've ditched the plan. Uh, you know, we're we have team leaders picked out in about ten different states, but most of the states we need a few different team leaders, um, just a few people to help, and also just different regions because you know if you have a few hundred people signed up, you have to divide it up. Um, we're all going to work on the same state issues, but the difference is that the counties are really important, the school board. So obviously that that's going to need to be segmented into subcommittees as well. So I'm really going to put in the time. It's just I haven't had the time to to, to finish everything, but things are going to accelerate soon with the new website and the new um, email system. So, folks, Tim Scott's speech. Now, I'll admit I am a little biased here 
because when I'm assessing the speech, it's hard to divorce it from the man himself and everything else he's done in his, in his career. Um, he is the embodiment of everything we've ever had. He is a black supremacist, and I have no problem using that word. Um, he has fully internalized the message of BLM. I even think he he's praised them. I don't think he has a problem with them. He might maybe say something negative about Antifa, but not BLM. Um, he believes that our system is he he'll say it's not racist, like he said last night, but he'll say it's unjust or you know it, it discriminates against blacks, and he believes too many blacks are locked up. Um, he buys into their criminal justice narrative. Um, he buys into the mask fascism. He put out a video with him like having an American flag mask last July 4th, patronizing people into masking up. Whatever it is, he is a typical Republican. We actually slid backwards when Jim DeMint retired that seat and Tim Scott took it over. He is an empty vessel. But he gets up there last night and says, you know, Biden promised you a specific kind of leadership. He promised to unite the country, to lower the temperature. That was the pitch, but it's just platitudes. We need policies and progress that actually do bring us closer together. So his theme is built around Biden divides people, our stuff unites people. And if you read between the lines, what he basically is saying that they have a more unifying version of what the left wants to do. And you know what? He's actually right. Because when the Democrats are in charge, Republicans tend to vote against it because they'll find it's, a, it's too extreme. But then just a couple months prior, they were passing basically the same things and the Democrats voted. They were bipartisan because the Democrats felt it was a pretty good deal to get that under a Republican president. So um, he starts off about his family. I was angry, angry disillusioned. I fell out of school. You know, and again, that's fine. I'm not against it. You know, it's a nice story. Then he starts with COVID. Now, do we have some sort of a Nuremberg-style indictment of of what they're what they've done to us? Not at all. Not at all. And this is what's very, very disturbing. Very disturbing. He basically agrees to the entire premise of COVID fascism. Okay, this is very, very disturbing. So let's get started. The first part of his speech on COVID, here we're talking about 14 months into the greatest genocide, and that's what it is. It is a genocide of them violating our Constitution, criminalizing breathing, the nursing home scandal, doing everything they can to kill as many people, both from COVID and the reaction to it, while blocking the only real cure to COVID. What does he have to say? This past year, I've watched COVID attack every rung of the ladder that helped me up. So it's COVID that did it. So many families have lost parents and grandparents too early. So many small businesses have gone under. Becoming a Christian transformed my life, but for months, so many churches were shut down. Most of all, I'm saying that millions of kids have lost a year of learning when they could not afford to lose a day. The big line he's getting praised for, and which is probably the most aggressive line, was when he said, locking vulnerable kids out of the classroom is locking adults out of their future. Our public schools should have reopened months ago. Other countries did. Private and religious schools did. Science has shown for months that schools are safe. But too often powerful grown-ups set science aside, and kids like me were left behind. And he goes into uh, talking about, talk about school choice. So this is the typical re Republican line. Schools should have been open earlier. Now, schools are basically open. Almost everywhere they are. But they're open with the child abuse. 
that Tim Scott supports. The insane criminalization of their breathing, the test and trace and quarantine. Oh, you're this guy had an asymptomatic test, so that the class classes be shut down. That's that's where it is. Yeah, we needed this this spirit from day one. School shouldn't have been shut, but they're always a year late after agreeing to every premise. They like walk it back. Wouldn't touch the masking. Wouldn't touch just any of the lies that have been told to us. He picked one thing. That's what Republicans are. The Republican line is, yes, the way to treat a virus is mass and social distancing and government control. And there's no constitutional issues with it. There's no scientific issues with it. There's no moral issues with it. There's just a couple of science issues with maybe legal issues. Don't shut the churches and don't shut the schools. But wear masks. That, that, that's the new America. That's where Republicans are. How do I know that? Because he did it and he talks about it. Let, let me go on. Last year, under Republican leadership, we passed five bipartisan COVID packages. Congress supported our hospitals, saved our country, funded Operation Warp Speed, delivering vaccines record time. All the bills got 90 or more votes in the Senate. Common sense found common ground. And then he rails against Biden's $2 trillion partisan bill. Only 1% went to vaccinations. No requirement to open schools promptly. The Republicans passed the bills that catalyzed the situation we're in today that enabled Democrats to do that because they didn't condition the funding as I yelped about last March when they had control that they needed to do. To say, wait a minute, before we pass all this COVID funding to validate ratify, continue, and underwrite a lockdown should we first not have hearings on the science and law whether we can and make sense to do the lockdowns and to do all this stuff. We had all the information then. I was talking about it. But he went on the entire year and all the Republicans did talking about socialism while passing the most socialist bills, not just the price tag, of their bills, which was just as much as Biden's sixth bill. He brags about the first five. He literally brags about it and how bipartisan it was. Yeah, because the left agreed to it, but that it permanently basically made everyone dependent on government. It permanently greenlit contact tracing, lack of medical privacy, the masking. And one of those bills had this COVID anti-fraud act that they're now hitting up this doctor, Dr. Naputi, the chiropractor in Missouri, for marketing zinc and vitamin D. That passed, and he's bragging about it. That's republicanism. Perfect example. When it actually matters, when you're establishing the precedent that this is how you treat a virus, they pass five socialist, Marxist, fascist bills. But I don't want to pass number six in the... Well, they wanted to pass number six, but not some of the provisions that Biden had in it. He actually perfectly gave over the Republican position on this. COVID brought Congress together five times. This administration pushed us apart. It's unbelievable. Then he goes on into infrastructure, talking about the importance of infrastructure, but the same thing. Biden is putting non-infrastructure things into that. So again, letting him define what we should even be focusing on Again, all that stuff should be devolved to the states. I've done a lot of shows on that. That should not be a federal issue. It's never done efficiently, even when it is pure infrastructure. 
And the reason why we, to the extent we have infrastructure problems, it's because it's been sucked up to something so mechanical and local in nature is done at a, in Washington and then doled back to all the states and counties. It just makes no sense. Again, that's a systemically different vision rather than just like, I like your bill. Don't have the wasteful extraneous provisions that I don't like. Well, the main provision is the problem. It was the same thing with the COVID bill. Like, yeah, let's fund Medicaid and Obamacare for life, food stamps for life, free food. They still have free food in my county. Like, they're giving everyone free food forever. Um, there's almost nothing you pay for on your own. Funding the hospitals and big medical, big pharma to lie to us, to control our lives. Republicans funded higher ed and K-12 through with $70 billion in their fifth bill. And they complain when, when what's-his-name did it, when uh, Biden did it. And they're like, I don't like that you had funding for the Kennedy Center. That is the Republican Party. He had one throwaway line to the border, weakening our southern border and creating a crisis is not compassionate. But, but again, it's just like, you know, it's all their grounds, as if they have the compassionate argument, they have the COVID argument, so no, you're going too far, it's not right. Speak about what the ranchers are dealing with, the rapists coming through, the stuff we talk about. We need common ground, he talks about. Then, then he basically ends off with this, nowhere do we need more common ground more desperately than our discussion of race. So right away, though, our discussion of race. Like, as if that's, again, a legitimate thing, which he thinks it is. He just doesn't like the way they're going about talking about and addressing the the problem that he believes is a problem of discrimination. So he doesn't like to say whites and, and the system is racist, but he says it's discriminatory. Now, he is right. It discriminates against whites, but that's not what he means. And then he brings up, I have experience of pain of discrimination. I know what it feels like to be pulled over for no reason, to be followed around the store while I'm shopping. Okay, so again, he, he totally fuels and gives validity to, the, to their wrong premise that the justice system and that cops target blacks disproportionately. He totally agrees, just like he did with COVID, he did with the criminal justice issue, which is why he has spoken all about this stuff. Believe me, I know our healing is not finished. That's what he starts with. In other words, he believes the premise that 30, not 30, it's really 45 years into our legal and political and cultural system being weighed against whites, affirmative action up the wazoo, where we long overcorrected, he still believes that somehow there is still systemic and effective discrimination. I don't mean three white supremacists in some corner that have no power. I mean in the system is somehow slanted against blacks. He is blatantly saying that. He brings up the shooting of Walter Scott. He brings up Breonna Taylor, that lie. And of course, talks about George Floyd. I built an even bigger police reform proposal. See, and the Democrats blocked it. So his main issue is that Democrats don't allow Republicans to work with them on their proposals, on their vision. How come I'm the only one who sees through this? Because I'm the only one in this business, I guess, that actually is a conservative and actually believes in a vision that is completely divorced and unmoored from what the left has to offer. 
these people, as much as they complain about the left, they think like them because they're always focused on the left. I'm focused on mainly preaching to our own people because we need our own people to be our own people before we could even combat the left. I extended an olive branch. I offered them amendments, but Democrats used a filibuster to block it. That's his concern. That's his concern. Then he goes on another line here. Now, you know, he he's saying a good point in ultimately, but even then he says it in a terrible way using their line. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids again are being taught that the color of their skin defines them. them and if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. Now, the, the latter part is the closest thing he came to truth. The closest thing he's come to, he, he, he didn't mention critical race theory by name. The closest thing he came to um, mentioning black supremacism and the war on whites. But of course he won't call that out. But that, but that is what he's saying. Because of the color of your skin, if you're white, you're auto, an automatic oppressor. That's what I think he is saying. But even that line, if you notice to tee it up, to set it up with the contrast, what did he say? A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. Now, a hundred years ago, I guess, is 1921. Now, look, we all agree that, you know, pre-enlightenment, people felt a certain way. And blacks were brought to this country as slaves. So people grew up for many hundreds of years thinking that they were inferior and, um, you know, acted accordingly. And it took a while for that enlightenment to become complete. And then in the, the, the now we regressed. What well, You know, it's almost like a circle. When we became fully enlightened, let's say 70s, 80s, 90s, then it went back the other way, and that's where we are today. But kids were taught that the color of their skin was the most important characteristic, and if they looked a certain way, they're inferior? I don't know. I mean, in 1921, maybe in the worst parts of the country, but in general, it was drummed into them? I mean, that, that describes, like, the Nazi regime. Again, I mean, none of us want to, you know, are... are proud of pre-enlightenment, some of the pre-enlightenment sentiment. But it was more passive than that. I mean, it wasn't, it's a little bit strong. They were actively taught that the color of their skin was their, I mean, we never had in this country a Nazi movement like that, like that was part of the curriculum. It was passive, you know, if you, that's kind of the way they thought. But it's just like, why do you have to go back and just exaggerate that more, more than it is? Then he goes on to talk about the Georgia voting bill that, you know, they're trying to prevent cheating. Republicans support making it easier to vote and harder to cheat. And, you know, I don't have, have a beef with what he said there. But again, it's very apologetic. Rather than saying, you guys, here's what you're doing. Here's the harms of your policy. It's just like, we have the right to do this. We're not trying to be mean. Folks. If this is the if Tim Scott is the future of conservatism, then I want nothing from it. But the truth is, yeah, I'll be honest, this actually was a good speech from him. I thought it would be even more obnoxious than it was, given his history. 
You know, I wrote an article on him July 20th, 2018. Okay, it's almost two years, uh, almost three years ago. Now, part of the problem with a lot of these phony conservatives that have bigger megaphones than me or like the Sean Hannity's of the world. They don't study these people. They don't know anything about them, what they're doing privately, legislatively or rhetorically. And then they they find them at like this, you know, platitude moment of, oh, I grew up, right? And eh, we're a great country, Americanism. <laughs> you know, and they're all, all proud of it. Like, dude, do you understand Tim Scott? Um, Trump had a judicial nominee to the Ninth Circuit. His name was Ryan Bounds. It was a vacant seat from Oregon. He clerked for O'Scanlan, who was the rare great conservative in the Ninth Circuit. Um, Democrats in the Judiciary Committee dug up all the writings that he had at college and even in law school where he poked fun of the snowflake mentality on college students um, and criticizing the divisive nature of identity factions. And he criticized the black this, the white this, the gay, the gay, well, no, there is no white, but gay this, Hispanic this. Like, he, he, just, he said that's just stupid, all the sectarian stuff. And, and, and it was brilliant. It was great. Even at a young age, Bounds perfectly articulated a view that us conservatives hold. That an obsession with dividing people into factions is not only superfluous, but harmful to our common cause as Americans. Basically what Tim Scott himself kind of in a broad, meek way said last night. But when someone actually says it forcefully and directed at a specific policy that matters, oh, you can't do that. Bounds wrote at the time, again, this is Trump's judicial nominee from Oregon, that the existence of ethnic organizations is no inevitable prerequisite to maintaining a diverse community. White students, after all, seem to be doing all right without an Aryan student union. Brilliantly said. And if Tim Scott actually believed in governing and speaking and rhetorically fighting the political battles in the way he spoke last night to put teeth in it, not just platitudes, he would have applauded this and kissed him on the cheek. Now, Bounds apologized and cried and, like, at the hearing, disavowed himself. But Marco Rubio and Tim Scott waited to the last minute. They didn't say anything. They didn't give the leadership and Trump and the White House a warning, but they put a hold on his nomination. And Scott shared information with Rubio at the last minute, and they both agreed to virtue signal and say his nomination has to be withdrawn. And this guy, his nomination was scuttled. Okay, this is where we are. This is where we are. Utterly insane. Tim Scott felt that that was racist. Okay? Which should not come as a surprise to anyone who ever listens to Tim Scott talk about policing and the criminal justice system, which he actually referenced in that speech. He actually encouraged the cancel culture. He participated in it. He blocked him. Unbelievable. And that was it. A couple months later, there was another nomination that he killed. Thomas Farr as a judicial nominee. Farr worked for Republican Senator Jesse Helms, whom Scott, I know, would regard as a racist. But as those of you have heard me 
I was very young when I studied politics, embarrassingly young. You'll think I'm crazy. But, you know, I, I remember Jesse Helms, and, and he, you know, he definitely did influence my thinking. So this guy would have been a great guy. Remember, there's a reason we have so few good judicial nominees. Because we get the Tim Scott nominees. That in theory, I don't like that using an affirmative action. I don't like doing it. Yeah, are you going to actually fight it in practice? No, you're not. Because even in theory, you have eternalized it and internalized it and you believe in it. So he scuttled his nomination as well. He scuttled his nomination. You could Google New York Times Senator Tim Scott sinks Thomas Farr's judicial nomination amid racial controversy. So um, the Republican Party is not doing a very good job of avoiding the obvious potholes on race in America. He was too troubled by Farr's involvement in one of former Jesse Helms, Senator Jesse Helms' racially tinged campaigns. There we are. Now you know why I call him a black supremacist, okay? Tim Scott is at the forefront of the pro-criminal revolution in this country that dismantled the 30 years of bipartisan when Biden supported tough on crime measures. Tim Scott would tweet out all sorts of crazy things on, on this issue, and he, and he worked on, 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 on all their, their legislation. It's truly sickening. Truly sickening. This is who this guy is. It's unbelievable. He collaborated with Cory Booker and Kamala Harris to pass an anti-lynching bill in the Senate in 2019. It was basically inspired by the Jussie Smollett hoax. That's where we are. I mean, I can go on and on with this guy. But folks, let me close with this. And it's funny, I didn't get to any of the COVID stuff I wanted to get to, any of the news of the day, but I think this is important. Do you know who is the future of conservatism? Not some bogus, loser, empty-minded, leftist Republican in Washington. It's you. It's we the people at a local level, especially in red areas, taking back our school boards, taking back our county commissions, taking back the state legislatures, and fighting full force 180 degrees in the opposite direction of the left. It's the people of Pima, Arizona, in the Vail School District. This is from electionwiz.com. I'm just reading from there, but it's a, you, know, every, you can find this everywhere. On Tuesday, the Vail School District in southern Arizona, Pima County, was scheduled to discuss its mask policy after Governor Ducey enacted a new executive order that lifted the state's order to require masks in school. But of course, you know, a lot of the districts... Yeah, this is the game the Republican governors do. They mandate it for a year, and then after that, they no longer mandate it. Well, gee, you put your thumb on the scale as the conservative doing that, so now certainly the more liberal school districts are going to continue it on their own. They're not, they don't have to do it, but they don't have to not do it, unless you write the order that way, which, of course, they don't. Minutes before the meeting was scheduled to take place, school officials abruptly decided to cancel the meeting, citing safety concerns over the parents' protests. Okay, a throng of parents later pushed their way into the boardroom while refusing to wear masks and demanded to speak with their elected officials. They called out the sheriff. They basically said that they were acting. There was a wild crowd. That's the new thing. But the sheriff says that's false. The board made that decision on their own. 
crowd control was not an issue. By the way, like I've been, you know, I was thinking about this um, at FrontSight, meeting some of our people, like-minded people. And I was like, our people wouldn't know how to riot if someone gave them a manual to do it. They just wouldn't. And I mean that very lovingly. Just, just these people couldn't hurt a fly. The nicest human beings alive. Those are the type of people that care about their children wearing masks. It's actually the Karens who would get violent. But anyway, emotions ran high as parents confronted law enforcement demanding to know why the board canceled the meeting. I want you to listen to just this brief clip of this woman. I don't know who she is um, at the meeting there. Uh, speaking maybe to the sheriff or whatever. Take a listen here. Take this away from us. These are our kids. We have a constitution. We have bills in the constitution in Arizona that give us parental rights. They are inalienable rights. They do not have the right to take them away. And yet this state and this board has taken it away from us. And they have the audacity to leave when we come here as peaceful parents to talk to them. We will totally line up and one person come in at a time. Okay. We just want then a right work, to speak. Then work that out with them, but tonight's I not the right Why don't you jump forward and be our mediator? And go talk to the board. Send another officer and be another person. Folks, that is a hero. That is the future of conservatism. That's what we need. And basically what they did is, you know, because the, the school board ran away, so they voted in a new school board. Now, obviously, they'll have legal battles and say it's not valid or whatever, but you see what I'm saying? This is where it starts. Look how effective it is. When do conservatives ever show up? A lot of people are like, Daniel, what you're saying sounds like it's been tried before. Not really. To have a standing group of Liberty Strike Force teams in the states and respective regions to bang away at state legislative hearings, county commissions, school boards, sheriffs, to focus both on the policy side, to block bad things, to initiate good things, the few good guys that are inside power, to help promote their legislation and shame those that, that aren't agreeing to it, and then to run for local office, which is much easier than you know, the big ticket items, but it's much more impactful. They weren't used to it and they were scared and they canceled the meeting. They never hear from us. You know, I just got a text from my buddy, Senator Trent Garner in Arkansas, you know, about Asa Hutchinson signed the bill barring vaccine passports. So I was, I was really excited. Well, we got it. No, you know why he signed it? He opposed it. You know why he signed it? Because he basically forced the legislature to gut it. The Chamber of Commerce said that they were going to fight it. So it only applies to the government, not the so-called private businesses, which is where the whole fight is. Now, you might say, Daniel, they have 51% to override there. They have a trillion Republicans in the legislature. They only need a simple majority to override. Why couldn't they override? Because the Chamber of Commerce opposed it. Imagine if we had what happened in Pima County, if we were able to get our Arkansas teams together to do the same thing on the mask bill. We'll see what happens with the mask bill. He'll probably veto that. We'll see what happens with the override because the mask bill is good. That was not watered down. That blocks every state and local mask mandate for the future or forever. We'll see what happens with that. But the vaccine bill, that, that was watered down. Meaningless. All things equal, they will only hear from the dirtbags and the special interests unless we make our voices heard and we make it clear we're going to challenge them. You're in a red area, a school board, a county commission. There is no reason in a 70-30 Trump County somewhere, and Pima County is blue. It's turned blue over the years. Um, 
but certainly, certainly in the in the more red areas, the redder areas, you make your voice be heard like that. You you work together. Our teams are going to work together to find people to run for school board, county commission, things like that. You will remake America at least in certain areas. That is the future of conservatism. That mother in Georgia, in uh, was it Cobb or Gwinnett County? I think. Um, her last name was Taylor and Marie or something, or uh, Courtney. Courtney Taylor was her name. That mother who spoke out about her child being masked. Something that Tim Scott, he definitely supported it until now. I mean, he didn't talk about it. He just said they should be open. But he has ensured that the child abuse is in place. And he's certainly not speaking out against it. Definitely supported it until now. He is not the future of conservatism. So folks, I want you to be the future of conservatism. I want you to sign up for conaction.network. We are going to get a .com better website. We have some amazing volunteers working on that. They were actually out at front site with me. Um, and again, if you want to sign up for the May 30th trip and have the time of your life, the best defense handgun training in the country, constitutioncoach.com. Uh, let me know if you have any questions about the details. Folks, this is our fight, but first we have to understand who we are, what we believe in. We have to preach to the choir because too many people don't even know what it means to be an American, to be a conservative circa 2019, much less Jesse Helms era, which really is what conservatism is. Till tomorrow. Folks, send this show to 50 of your friends, relatives. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. See you later. God bless y'all. 